Welcome to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm Melissa Friedenberg, financial advisor with Pearl Planning. Pearl Planning is a financial planning and investment management company located in Dexter and Gross Point, Michigan. We work with clients all around the country. The purpose of our podcast is to explore specific financial topics and provide advice you can use in your everyday life. Welcome back to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. It's Melissa Joy here today, and I am so pleased to be joined by Anna and Jai Conte. Anna is a certified financial planner. She's the founder of Dare to Dream Financial Planning, and she specializes in working with high-earning women and entrepreneurs of color who want to build generational wealth. Anna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Melissa. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm so glad you're here. And I have to say we met through Twitter, I think, and you have some of the most practical bite-sized pieces of financial advice. I always notice when you have something to say to people about how they should get things done, because it is, it just feels like it's, it's right there and totally approachable. So um, good job there. And I'm excited to have this discussion because I know there'll be a lot of actionable tips for entrepreneurs. Thank you so much, Melissa. Yeah, you know, one of my um, my biggest uh, missions is just to make um, actionable, relatable information available for you know my community, and so that's that's always my goal and what um, you know what I'm trying to achieve with every piece of content. So I appreciate that you recognize that. <laughs> I totally recognize it because I try to do the same thing, and I think that we are both experienced in the wealth management industry to know that unfortunately that is not the way that everyone sets themselves up. And so it really shows when you have that authentic voice that is, is trying to be relatable versus intimidating. Well, today we're going to talk about one of the areas of your focus and your specialization, which is um, being an entrepreneur, especially for people of color or women of color. Um, And so I know that's a, a, very typifies the type of people that you work with in your business, but tell me a little bit more about dare to dream financial planning and how you kind of found this focus area. I started my firm two years ago. I founded my firm two years ago and really my goal was always to work within communities of color. You know, I knew that that was not who I was serving in my career in wealth management before. And I knew that there were so, there was such a need for that reliable, relatable advice. Uh, I sort of fell into the business owner niches and I, I'm sure you've experienced this too, but um you know, some of your first clients really shape your experience and shape how you see the the value and the service that you have to offer. And so one of my first clients was this amazing entrepreneur and she really typified the type of person I wanted to help, right? She's first-generation American. She's a Latina. She's a business owner. She wanted to figure out how to really leverage her business and to build wealth and not just for herself, but for her children and for her parents too. She wanted to make sure that she could financially provide for her parents. And she had all of these moving pieces and these complex parts, but 
which I was able to provide her the direction, but she really came to me with the drive and the passion, which is what I loved. And so I said, if, if she's like this, then there are probably lots of other women that are like this and really want to figure out the best way to make everything work to serve themselves and their family and their community. I love that story. And I, I, I agree when you find a client with passion, who's willing to work with you, they're not asking you to do all the work. They're coming Mm -hmm. to you and asking for opportunities Mm -hmm. and they are really motivated and you can share in each other's success. Then that is a win. And, uh, you know, I, I feel the same way that there are opportunities for the next generation of financial planners to find these portions of our population, um, our community who just don't get the opportunity, haven't in the past had the option for great professional advice in mm-hmm. finance. And it gets filled in with, you know, perhaps there's more access to advice on the tax side of things, but that's not everything mm-hmm. or other areas. So when you start to work with people who are business owners, what are they, why do they initially reach out? What, what, where's the pain point that they say, Oh, I've got to, I've got to find somebody to help me with this. Yeah. It's oftentimes taxes, as I'm sure you've experienced too. They're like, okay, my business has gotten to this point where it's really successful. And I feel like my tax bill is crazy and I need help figuring out how to do that. Or, or they see that, okay, my, my business is generating consistent revenue And it's beyond the point where, you know, I can pay myself or at least I can pay my staff and I can pay all of my vendors. And I just need to figure out the best way to manage this um, to serve my own personal needs. Right. Um, Usually it's a combination of both. Right. I want to I want to grow and expand my business, but I just want to make sure that, you know, it's not going to sacrifice uh, I'm not moving too fast. It's not going to sacrifice the the overall health of my business. Um, and I also don't want to have this inhibit ha- getting my business to work for me. Those are, mm-hmm. those are usually the biggest um, pain points and questions that, that people come to me with. And things, things can get really complex very quickly mm-hmm. when you have a successful business. So, you know, just thinking about going from paying yourself to paying multiple employees and then dealing with payroll taxes or other benefits Mm -hmm. in order to attract or retain those employees, as well as how do you just find the time in the day when you need to be the CEO of your personal balance sheet, as well as your professional balance sheet, Mm -hmm. and even managing between a relationship if you have a spouse who's also Mm -hmm. either working or needs, you know, may have some risk associated with your business. Yeah. Um, your business plan. So absolutely lends itself to the need for a professional to sort through things. Totally. And I, you know, most of my clients are women, right. Or, or even if they're married, they are the ones that are initiating, seeking the advice. Mm-hmm. And so one of the dynamics I find a lot is, okay, my business is going great, or I am earning, I've hit a new level in my career. If they're an employee, I've hit a new level in my career where I'm doing really well financially. And this might not have been where I was when I first got married. And so I really need to talk about how this looks from a relational standpoint, you know, how can I protect myself and my business? And then also, you know, how do we just rejigger the dynamics of our household um, to, to, reflect this new reality, right? Sometimes it's, can I afford to hire another nanny, you know, or a nanny, or can I afford to do weekly house cleaning? Because 
you know, you and I both know women typically take on the burden of the household administration. And so when you're the breadwinner, suddenly you realize, okay, I'm, I'm earning all of this money. It's maybe not worth it for me to be cleaning, but can I really afford it and kind of navigate these things? This is so true. It's really personal advice. So you don't think when you hire a financial planner that the discussion is going to be what kind of household help do you need? Cause you look like you're pulling your hair out, but we're both working moms. Yeah. So we know, and we've got, um, you've got really young kids and mm-hmm. my kids are elementary age. It was a game changer for me when another friend who was a financial planner told me, Melissa, you're, you're banging your head against the wall and you're not going to get out of this hole until you. And, um, in my case, me and my husband, Jeff hired someone to help, mm-hmm. you know, we were trying to kind of string together, childcare and it wasn't effective or maybe the quality that we wanted. So those discussions can be so valuable and you need to hire someone where you're willing to say where you feel vulnerable and weak. Totally. Totally. And I think, you know, adding in the, the real talk of the, the clientele that I work with, you know, um, women of color are oftentimes sort of push to be super women, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we are conditioned to be able to do it all and to be strong and like to be stoic through it all. Right. And so, you know, a lot of times my clients are saying, you know, I, my mom kept an immaculate house and she worked and I don't know why I, why this is so hard for me, but the thing is, you know, our, our parents, our mother's generation and their maybe aspirations or what was possible for them is different than what our own aspirations and what's possible for us is. And so we have to operate by a different playbook than that. And we can't hold ourselves to that, that same standard. That makes a lot of sense. So I want to spend, let's at the end, let's, let's talk about that building generational wealth, but for now, what are the opportunities as a business owner? The business needs to be successful in all likelihood. You know, you need a business that um, is able to pay you something, even if it's growing. And, and then you have the, the challenges and opportunities of figuring out how much you're going to reinvest in the business versus how much is going to be going um, to, you know, over to your personal balance sheet. But tell me about some of the things that you tackle earlier in engagement. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is ensuring that my clients have their business working for them and them not working for the business, right? Mm -hmm. So ensuring that they are paying themselves. Some of my clients will come to me with a very successful side hustle and they're not paying themselves or they're not saving for retirement. And, you know, maybe their side hustle, they're earning six figures with their day job and also six figures in their side hustle income, right? So for me, you know, they're, they're oftentimes burning themselves out with, and not seeing the the monetary results. Like they see the money in their business bank account, but they don't feel it in their personal balance sheet. That's one of the biggest things that we tend to focus on. Um, and I think also going back to the relational dynamic, sometimes with spouses, if they're not seeing, they see you working all the time and they don't necessarily see the monetary effects of that, that can build resentment and kind of dynamics issues as well, just as an aside. But um, that's one of the biggest things I, I have them do, ensuring that they get to a point where they see that what the long-term effects of all of this work they're putting in is going to be if they are, you know, 
strategically investing in in their own wealth through their business, right? So that looks like setting up a solo 401k, a SEP IRA, you know, ensuring that their business structure is the right structure based on, you know, whatever their their personal situation is so that they're um, not paying more taxes than they need to, not against taxes, but we don't need to pay more than more than our fair share or more than we could if necessary. Um, and ensuring that just, you know, they are taking full advantage of some of the benefits that you get as a business owner. Those are some of the initial conversations that we really have. Um, and then also I think perspective shifts too. Yeah. I, I want to stop for a moment and talk about just cash flow because it's amazing. People don't realize that they can give themselves permission to pay themselves as well as obviously, you know, the payroll is working for employees. You wouldn't have them if you weren't consistently paying them. And that is sometimes just a skip on the CPA conversation Mm -hmm. that, um, and it goes all back to also strategic planning about what your goals are for the business. Mm -hmm. And are you achieving those goals? And Mm -hmm. so if it's just like money's accumulating, but it feels chaotic Mm -hmm. or you don't know how to move the money from one account to another, Mm -hmm. it may sound simple for some entrepreneurs, but for Mm -hmm. others, especially if you're just emerging into that time where you really have the positive cash flow. Um, I, I notice it often where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. we need to put the business account onto your personal balance sheet, mm-hmm. like the cash in the account. Yeah. You yeah. need to talk about when, what is the right amount of cash in the business and mm-hmm. what are the tax implications? Mm-hmm. And then we also, you know, it, it matters what the value of the business is as well. Mm-hmm. So some businesses are very saleable. You could turn and have an acquisition a merger, mm-hmm. You know, depends on your end game. Other businesses, it's really tied up in your who you are. Yeah. So you know, it's 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 important to take the money as you go because you you can't turn around and you know get paid for the value you built into the business. It really just depends. A hundred percent. It's the difference between being a business owner and a solopreneur, right? Or mm-hmm. owning your job, right? And I like to tell my clients, the ones that are really focused on building wealth, that you know, you have to have some of these frameworks in place in advance in order to leverage the business on your personal balance sheet, like you said, right? So right. you know, you need to have your intellectual property protected, right? And that the you need to have a valuation for your business. That valuation needs to go on your personal balance sheet, right? And having that updated, you know, annually, biannually, whatever, whatever, you know, you, um, or every other year, rather. It, it's it's very important so that you see that it's not just, I think there's just a level of seriousness that you take, right? When you do that. And then also it just allows you to view this as an asset, not just as a, something you're doing and spending your time. Right. Um, and that yeah. it is also part of your overall financial plan. So, you know, do you want to have a succession plan? Um, or do you want to be able to sell it in a few years and do something else? If you don't have these things in place beforehand, then you really can't leverage it in the same way when it comes down to it. Right. And a, a very successful or a, a um, engaged financial planner will prioritize things based on where you need to be right now, but address those things over the relationship. So if you're working with you on a, or someone like myself, then, you know, you're not going to talk about succession planning the same year that you're two years into the business mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. other than maybe catastrophic planning, but mm-hmm. that will be something that will remind you will become more important as you're, you know, within the evolution of the business so totally. that they're helping you not feel as 
overwhelmed, which is, is typical in a mm-hmm. successful business mm-hmm. and helping you feel more under control. I love that, Melissa. And, you know, I don't know how you like to do things, but for me, I like to focus on a year's worth of actions. We might even, mm-hmm. I might even plant the seeds for things that we'll do, you know, two years, three years, five years down the road. Like, okay, we're going to need to probably update your estate plan. We need, might need to look at, you know, getting additional insurance. We might need to look at drawing up a succession plan in the future, you know, key person um, insurance, those kind of things in the future. But for now, this is what we're going to focus on. And and that's really the benefit of having a multi-year relationship yes. to ensure that you are keeping up with these things. It's not you know, it's not really just transactional and about the things that we can do now. That's important, but there's also multi-year considerations. And as we're making decisions now, we need to know how that's going to have the knock-on effects in the future and have that continuity of the advice throughout that process. That's fabulous. And I, I totally agree. And that's, that's how my mindset is too. It's, it's a, um, there's, it's a multi-year engagement and you need to be working with someone in my, my preference would be to working, working with someone who can both think about the business as well as think about your personal balance Mm -hmm. sheet. So Mm -hmm. often I see business owners that are very comfortable with real estate. They're very comfortable with spending the money that they take out of the business, but there's a total disconnect and even maybe um, a miss in terms of their um, comfort level of managing investments and having that Mm -hmm. create cash flow, And then Mm -hmm. they are left kind of dangling when they retire because, or they hang on to the business and kind of um, it dwindles instead of getting an exit at the right time because of their discomfort with things they can't control. They feel like they can't control. I would say that they can control it. They just Mm -hmm. need some practice. I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, you, you want to go out on a high, right? Mm -hmm. However that looks, whatever that exit is, you want to go out on a high instead of just hanging on for ages. And then the value of the business diminishes because you don't have the time or capacity or energy to dedicate to it. um, You know, as you get older and as life circumstances change. That's great. Well, tell me that this, that probably kind of transitions into the conversation about mindset. Mm-hmm. So you, you many, I assume that many of the people that you start working with, this is their per, first business venture. Mm-hmm. Perhaps it's related to their previous field, perhaps not. Um, you know, there's a lot of creative ideas. And so tell me about how you can adjust or uh, optimize your mindset as an entrepreneur to, yeah. to really, um, to, to have the right attitude toward your business and your money. I love that question so much. It's and it's something that we don't address enough. The mind, we we talk about all of the tax strategies and and mm-hmm. these you know uh, business credit and these kind of things that that are important, but it all is rooted in the mindset, right? I think the first thing that that I like people to to think about is you know what do you, where do you want to take this and have clarity on that, right? Do you want this to just be you know you have time and location independence, you're essentially a freelancer, right? Or a contractor, and you're taking on consultations and things like that, you know, as much as you want to. And it's really just going to be you, maybe a VA or something, right? Is that how you want things to be? Or do you want this to be a scalable asset for you in the future and have this really be its own entity, right? And and that involves disentangling you from from the entity right it's not just 
it's not, you do not equal the business, right? You're not Um, giving every service that the business has. yes, Yes, exactly. And then also that, you know, um, you have a staff that's able to scale whatever it is that you're offering um, that you don't have to be involved in every meeting that if you need to take time off, you can. And if you sell the business that it's able to be sold without you having to go along with it. Right. And become an employee instead of the owner. Um, That perspective is really important. I think, you know, one of the, one of the reasons I named my firm dare to dream is that, you know, in, in, in communities of color, we are conditioned to oftentimes think small and think about what's realistic and attainable, right? There's a lot of reasons why, but, but it is just the reality. And I found myself in there. And then I woke up one day and was like, why can't I just go after what I want? There's no I mean, there, there are a lot of reasons why it might be more challenging for me, but there's also no harm in actually trying, right? And so I really want to challenge people to think above and beyond the, oh, I'm just, I'm just doing this so I don't have to respond to somebody, to, to answer to somebody, right? I'm just doing this so that maybe I can have more time with my kids and to think a little bit bigger than that if they feel called to, if they feel called to, not to feel pressure to grow a huge business, but also not to feel as though, you know, you can't do that if you want to and, and really have this be an asset and, and leverage it for your own personal wealth and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That is huge. And I think that um, definitely for communities of color, there's an even more strict kind of limitation on the worldview Mm -hmm. that you feel is prescribed to you. Mm -hmm. And as a woman to a Gen Mm -hmm. X woman, you know, it's like follow the rules was what was instilled societally, Mm -hmm. I feel like, Mm -hmm. um, to achieve. And there's no rule book when it comes to starting a business. So I think I had that same aha where, um, you know, when I was, leaving my former company, a lot of people were like, I will take care of you, Melissa, or here's a job offer. Mm-hmm. And it was like, but why not, why not um, start the business myself and do it the way that I've, I've dreamed of. So I, that really 100%. speaks to me and resonates. And I think that um, articulating it in your brand is, is brilliant. Thank you. It's um, it's a passion of mine. Cause you know, I, I come from a very strong line, a long line of strong women. And I think they, they, for whatever reason, had a lot of limitations in their life and didn't really go after all of the things they want or wanted, or that they certainly could have done given their smarts and their intelligence and their work ethic. Right. And so I wanted to make sure that I was breaking that cycle. And then also I'm helping my clients do so as well. That strong line of women is probably in who everyone's life story and their generational story is carried with them into each of our financial planning meetings, whether you are able to recognize it or not. I use it. Um, I always refer to the invisible backpack, which is a concept that was created in an, um, kind of in a diversity inclusion setting, but it works really well in financial planning that you're, you bring with you either a toolkit or a list of like rocks or, you know, kind of things weighing you down. Um, And one of the things I wanted, well, I would love to wrap up our conversation talking about how once you've kind of gotten up the hierarchy of financial um, discussions from the basics of, you know, do you have your appropriate insurance? Is your estate planning set up? 
right benefits, et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. to building generational wealth. Well, Mm -hmm. that's a lot. And that's Mm -hmm. like, not just, that's like carrying on the past and generational wealth is as about as much of what's between your ears as what's on your balance sheet Mm -hmm. in all likelihood. But when you guys, when you're, you and your clients start to have those discussions, tell me what you're talking about. How do you build that generational wealth? And I think one of the gifts of, as an entrepreneur is that you're building wealth, not just for yourself, but for your employees as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but tell me what, what you get into with your clients when, when you're able to get there. Totally. Um, that's, that's such a beautiful way to put it. And I, I firmly believe that generational wealth isn't just about a trust fund or, you know, a large IRA that you're going to leave your kids. There's, there's so much more to it than that. Um, you know, one of the, I, I, I fully recognize this tendency in myself and in my clients, you know, we have this t- sense of urgency that I find a lot of other people do not. Um, you know, when you know that you are your own, uh, you don't have any soft place to land in terms of mm-hmm. finances, right? You really feel a lot of pressure to grow and scale your business. And then on top of that, take care of your children and build generational wealth and maybe take care of your parents. And it's a lot. And, and the result of all of that is usually that we're rushing and we're trying to do it all at once. Right. Um, And it really has to be a step-by-step process and it has to be the long game. Right. So, you know, there are strategies that you need to talk about um, five years from now, we, we, we talked about that a bit, right? We don't need to worry about all of those now. And I find that sometimes my clients or prospective clients, they come to me and they're really focused on this, which is lovely. And they're passionate about it, but they're grabbing at all of these other strategies that, like I said, you know, hiring your kids and putting them on there, um, setting up Roth IRAs. How can we do trust, um, you know, generation skipping trust? I'm like, let's slow down a little bit. We have to get, we have to just make sure that your personal balance sheet is good. And then once we are on a plan to, whereas we are, we clearly will have surplus for you and your lifetime, then we can go on to really talk about how we're going to pass on these things. Right. And also part of that is ensuring that the business is in a place to, whereas there's something to pass on, right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, structuring that, in an appropriate way is so key to, I think that's part of the foundation. And and one of the beauties of being an entrepreneur, right? You can't pass on your job, but you can pass on a business. But if you are operating just as a freelancer, then that might not necessarily be the case unless you have intellectual property and copyrights and trademarks and those kind of things set up. There's not necessarily something to pass on. So we really focus on ensuring that they're good and they're they're set for their lifetime and living the life that they want. And then we can do those some of those advanced structures. But it's a step-by-step, there's a time for everything kind of conversation. Yes, I, I I use those types of discussions often with um, a sudden money or financial transitions. Susan Bradley is kind of now soon and later list. Mm-hmm. And you're describing the same thing where you can acknowledge it and say, yes, this is important. We do want to do some complex estate planning, but hey, let's gather the wealth before we get all that set up. And, mm-hmm. and so helping to prioritize can be huge. And also just exemplifying good um, I don't want to use the word behavior, but it's, it's good money culture, I guess would be mm-hmm. the way to say it. Um, you know, we're each, we each kind of approach our adult financial life with the information that we learned as a, a child and adolescent mm-hmm. and early 
um, young adulthood. And um, I, I don't know anyone who has everything completely optimized. And, and certainly there are lessons um, that you may bring um, depending on your, your family's background um, that you just may not have had all the coursework that you needed in terms of the school of life in order to understand and know things, but you have the opportunity to um, kind of model the, the financial life for future generations um, in a way that can be really powerful for them. I love that so much. I like to, I, I, I love the way you put that. It's more about like letting it settle and become a way of yes. life for you and not just a conceptualization, right? And so ensuring that those habits that you are living and breathing those habits that are going to get you to be, you know, very wealthy in the future and be able to pass down that wealth for your children. Because once again, it's not just about the the balance sheet. It's also about the behavior that will help you get wealthy and stay wealthy long-term. Absolutely. And Anna, thank you so much um, for this information. Where can people find you? We'll make sure to have a link. Um, so my website is daretodreamplanning.com. Um, and I'm usually, in terms of socials, I'm hanging out on Twitter and Instagram, mostly at, at A-N-J-I-E-K-O-N-T-E. Um, you can follow me there. I do a lot of content along these lines. I do Instagram lives either by myself or with other experts two to three times a week. And there's usually some informational content there in between. So please, please follow me if you want to try and um, take your, take your uh, finances, business finances to the next level. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Anna, and have a great week. We appreciate you. Thank you, Melissa. This is wonderful. You can access our first two seasons of this podcast on our website at www.pearlplan.com or on Spotify. If you're interested in learning more about Pearl Planning, feel free to sign up for our newsletter, also found on our website.